Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to EcoReport. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Guerra. And now for today's environmental news brief by Nathaniel Weinzeffel. From WFHB, this year environmental news briefing. I'm Nathaniel Weinsapfel. Hoosiers have begun to head out into the woods to hunt for the moral mushrooms found throughout the forests of the state in the springtime. These mushrooms typically bloom from April to May and have attracted a sizable number of Hoosiers excited to eat the forest treat. The Indiana Moral Mushroom Progression Facebook group has organized yearly hunts for the mushrooms and have combined the events with environmental cleanups to improve the quality of Indiana's forests. Hunters are encouraged to carry two bags with them while they are in the forest, one for mushrooms and another for trash. Many woods in the state have sizable amounts of trash, so cleaning up while searching for the fungi is a great way to help the environment. Mushroom hunters love this time of year as it gets them outside after winter, and the feast afterwards brings Hoosiers together. This week, the Biden administration reversed the move by the Trump administration that removed regulations found in the National Environmental Policy Act. This new rule will require federal agencies to take into account the environmental impacts that could be related to their actions, including climate change factors. The previous administration removed the regulations because they required a lot of time limited some projects from being created due to environmental concerns. However, critics of the Trump administration's move believe that this would allow federal agencies to downplay environmental justice concerns. This change by the Biden administration will reinstate these environmental justice decision-making factors. This represents a significant step in the Biden administration's environmental agenda. Recently, there has been a major win in the world of wildlife conservation. An endangered Sumatran rhino gave birth to a new baby in an Indonesian sanctuary last month. This species of rhino is extremely endangered due to habitat destruction and poaching for their horns. The World Wildlife Fund has stated that there are only 80 Sumatran rhinos left in the world. This new baby has increased the rhino population at the Indonesian sanctuary to eight represents the potential that the species may recover in the future. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weintaub. In today's feature report, 
Indiana environmental reporter Enrique Sands discusses the governor's veto of a bill designed to impede environmental regulations. But first, today's environmental stories. Some northern Indiana residents remain skeptical that communities in the area will be free of contamination from toxic coal ash despite a renewed commitment by government agencies and one of the state's biggest energy companies to clean up polluted sites and transition to renewable energy sources. Last month, the Environmental Protection Agency announced the Northern Indiana Public Service Company would pay nearly $12 million under an agreement called a Consent Decree to continue the cleanup of coal ash soil contamination in the town of Pines, Groundwater Plume Superfund site. Having recently moved into her home in the town of Pines in April of 2000, Phyllis Damota noticed an unpleasant odor emanating from her drinking water. She called the Indiana Department of Environmental Management a month after she moved in and asked them to test her well water. The call set off a series of events that continues 22 years later. Demoda's well tested positive for arsenic and benzene, known carcinogens. The pollutants came from coal ash dumped at Nipsco's Michigan City Generating Station. Coal ash is the toxic waste product that is left over after burning coal for electricity. It contains arsenic, lead, mercury, and other contaminants that can be hazardous to human health. Indy Star has issued report cards, and it's not looking good for Indiana lawmakers. A new scorecard that grades Indiana legislators based on their votes in support of or against various environment-related bills has been released. In it, nearly two-thirds received a D or an F, among them the chairs of the House and Senate Environmental Affairs Committees. The Sierra Club's Hoosier chapter shared its report last week after the conclusion of the 2022 session. It examined votes on various energy and conservation bills dating back to the 2014 session, including the laws that phased out net metering and stripped protections for wetlands. The Environmental Advocacy Group believes Indiana legislators are putting the state on a dangerous path, it said, and officials are refusing to listen to the concerns of Hoosiers. Quote, Our frustration with inaction by the Indiana legislature has been building for years and came to a head this session, end quote, said Wendy Breadhold with Sierra Club's Beyond Cold campaign in Indiana. That frustration is what prompted the group to do this report for the first time. Indiana is frequently ranked among the most polluted states in the country. According to the EPA's Toxic Release Inventory, using data from 2020, the most recent, Indiana releases the third most chemicals and pollutants per square mile of any state, and those releases have health implications. EPA data also show that pollution poses a higher risk to public health in Indiana than in most other states. Indiana also is one of the worst states for carbon pollution, while another report recently found that Indiana has the dirtiest waterways in the U.S. Most of the bills that would help address those issues, however, were dead in the water from the beginning. 
Inside Climate News reports that as the coal industry has collapsed in Kentucky, companies have racked up a rising number of violations at surface mines. Internal documents show state regulators have failed to bring a record number of them into compliance. Enforcement data from 2013 to 2022 paint a picture of an industry and its regulators in a state of crisis. The documents reveal an agency struggling to enforce regulations designed to protect the public and the environment from some of the industry's most destructive practices. This is occurring amid mining company bankruptcies and an overall industry decline that has also seen the shedding of thousands of coal mining jobs in the state. Indiana does not have as much of a problem with abandoned mine cleanup as Kentucky, but there are several examples of bankruptcy of companies that abandoned mines. One of President Biden's key campaign promises was not to drill for oil and gas on federal lands. However, the U.S. Department of the Interior has announced a plan to do so. The department intends to auction off drilling leases on 225 square miles in nine states, Alabama, Colorado, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and Utah. The department is offering about 30% less land than officials had named for sale in November, and it's about 80% less than the fossil fuel industry had proposed initially. Environmental groups loudly criticized the plan said Roddy Spivak, Public Lands Director for the Center for Biological Diversity. Quote, the Biden administration's claim that it must hold these lease sales is pure fiction and a reckless failure of climate leadership. It's as if they're ignoring the horror of firestorms, floods, and mega droughts, and accepting climate catastrophes as business as usual, end quote. Recently, we reported that over a thousand scientists from around the world who are deeply concerned about the climate crisis and about governments and corporations' inaction on it committed acts of civil disobedience on April 6th in protest. Protests resumed on April 13th in London. Over 2,000 scientists glued scientific papers and their own hands to the windows of a UK government building the UK Department for Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy. Ecologist Aaron Theory, with his left hand glued to the building, said, quote, I'm having to do this because our government is basically ignoring all the evidence and we have tried all the rational, normal, evidence-based policy, end quote. Theory pointed out that the UK government claims to be taking the climate crisis seriously and declared an emergency and then turned around and invested in fossil fuels. The Scientists for Extinction Rebellion glued to the building scientific literature that describes the need to completely cut emissions now. The scientists wore white lab coats bearing the phrase, new oil and gas equals death, which they said was, quote, the simple equation driving our action today, end quote. Beside the scientists' action targeting the government building, they occupied the London headquarters of Shell Oil to demand a meeting with CEO. Multiple activists glued themselves to the reception desks and the building's entrances. The Biden administration wants the EPA to approve the sale of E-15, an especially dirty type of fuel that its opponents say is far dirtier than plain gasoline and contributes to smog. E-15 is a blend of gasoline and up to 15% ethanol, 
a plant-based fuel. A ban on E15 is in place in most of the U.S. during the summer months when smog is a particular risk. The purpose of permitting E15 use is supposedly to save Americans money and reduce dependence on foreign oil supplies because the corn it's made from would be grown in the U.S. Most U.S. gasoline is already mixed with 10% ethanol but the added ethanol could raise the amount of smog-producing pollutants in the atmosphere. Further growing all the corn needed to make the fuel could result in greater greenhouse gas emissions at a time when reducing such emissions is critical to saving the planet. E15 advocates argue that the fuel isn't significantly worse for air quality than other gasoline blends. E15 doesn't provide much of a savings at the pump. A White House fact sheet says that E15 could make gasoline about 10 cents cheaper per gallon. Besides, ethanol has about a third less energy than gasoline, and so doesn't come out cheaper than conventional gasoline in the end. Currently, E15 isn't very popular, and only 2,300 gas stations in 30 states sell it. Federal health officials are closely watching a highly lethal type of bird flu that's devastated poultry farms along the East Coast and the Midwest in recent weeks. There are no signs the strain of avian influenza poses a danger to people yet, but experts are on the lookout for potential mutations of the virus that could make it more of a threat. Although the risk to humans remains low, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said it will monitor people who have been exposed to domestic and wild species infected with H5N1, a highly pathogenic avian influenza virus that spreads easily among birds. For storm-battered residents of the Caribbean, the southeast, and the Gulf Coast, new research on hurricanes is rarely good news with recent studies showing trends toward stronger storms that intensify suddenly near the coast and maintain their strength longer after hitting land. A study newly published in the journal Weather and Climate Dynamics reinforces the growing consensus that the hurricane threat to vulnerable coastal communities will keep increasing. The research shows global warming has contributed to a decisive increase in Atlantic Ocean hurricane activity in the last 40 years and has doubled the chances for extreme seasons like 2020. Another conclusion from the study is that when a coastal community is evacuated, it may be necessary for individuals to go farther inland to escape damage. Federal health officials are closely watching a highly lethal type of bird flu that's devastated poultry farms along the East Coast and the Midwest in recent weeks. There are no signs the strain of avian influenza poses a danger to people yet, but experts are on the lookout for potential mutations of the virus that could make it more of a threat. Although the risk to humans remains low, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said it will monitor people who have been exposed to domestic and wild species infected with H5N1, a highly pathogenic avian influenza virus that spreads easily among birds. The wildly misnamed federal program called Wildlife Services, part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, just announced that it killed some 405,000 native animals last year. 
According to its new report, which probably underestimates the real number, the secretive multi-million dollar program killed over 300 gray wolves, over 64,000 coyotes, over 400 black bears, 200 mountain lions, 600 bobcats, 3,000 foxes, nearly 25,000 beavers, and over 700 river otters. It also unintentionally killed approximately 2,700 animals, including bears, bobcats, and songbirds, plus even pet dogs. Quote, Killing carnivores to supposedly benefit the livestock industry just leads to more conflicts and more killing, end quote, said Colette Adkins, director of the Center for Biological Diversity's Carnivore Conservation Program. She went on to say, quote, This is a stomach-churning, truly vicious cycle, end quote. For nearly a decade, the Center has used litigation and advocacy to fight wildlife services killing sprees and has won cases in California, Minnesota, and Washington. We may tend to think of evolution as something that happens slowly over millions of years, but that's not always the case. When a population of a particular species changes, there can be a variety of possible causes, including climate change and human pressures on a particular ecosystem, such as overfishing. When a species changes more quickly than traditional views of natural selection would historically allow, it is called rapid evolution, or evolution in action. A new study considers the case of the shrinking of wild Atlantic salmon in northern Finland's River Tenno, where overfishing was considered a possible cause for the notable change in the salmon size. However, the study has demonstrated that the shrinking of this particular population of fish might have another more indirect cause. Earlier research had shown that the age at which salmon were maturing in this river was getting younger and consequently all the size of salmon that were spawning were also getting smaller, showing evolution in action. There were also changes in their DNA at a gene known to be linked with maturation size and age. The shrinking of the River Tino wild salmon is thought to be the result of the commercial fishing of capelin, a small fish found in the Atlantic and Arctic oceans. Using genetic methods, Finnish scientists discovered how changes in salmon fishing, in addition to the commercial fishing of capelin, one of the favorite foods of wild salmon, might be related to the shrinking of the wild Atlantic salmon population. Some of the capelin caught by commercial fishers is used as fish meal to feed aquaculture salmon, and overfishing of capelin could be indirectly affecting the wild salmon the study suggests. And now our feature, Indiana environmental reporter Enrique Sands will discuss the governor's veto of a bill designed to impede environmental regulations in Indiana. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed a last-minute attempt to sneak through restrictions on state agency emergency actions and regulations on the environment and other issues embedded inside a blockchain bill. Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed House Enrolled Act 1211, a bill originally written to get the Indiana Department of Administration to explore the use of blockchain technology within the state. On the last day of the 2022 legislative session, lawmakers added language from a bill that died in committee, House Bill 1100, which sought to impose drastic restrictions on state agencies' ability to make regulations 
that would affect Hoosier health, the environment, and other basic functions of government. The language required state agencies to update rules every four years instead of every seven years, and required that all emergency rules be vetted by the Indiana Attorney General's office before going into effect. Environmental groups like the Hoosier Environmental Council argued that these provisions were unnecessary and would slow and bog down strained and short-staffed agencies like the Indiana Department of Environmental Management. Lawmakers also included language that added requirements to broadband infrastructure projects funded by Regional Economic Acceleration and Development Initiative grants. In a letter to the Speaker of the House, Holcomb said he vetoed the bill due to the broadband requirements and the new layer of review for emergency actions. Holcomb said HB 1100 underwent very little debate in the House and was declared not ready to be passed by the committee in the Senate and that there was no opportunity in the Senate for opponents of the bill to testify and share their concerns about it or to suggest improvements. Holcomb said he agreed with a part of the bill that sought to ensure that emergency and permanent rules adopted and maintained by state agencies are, quote, necessary and appropriate, but was concerned about other portions. The letter stated, This bill includes language that adds a new layer of review that will create some degree of delay in the adoption of emergency rules. As such, this bill is concerning because, for example, certain state agencies, such as the Board of Animal Health, in order to responsibly address health and safety concerns, often have to act very quickly in adopting emergency rules. And while this bill provides that this new review should be completed within a time consistent with the emergency, it does not provide any recourse to an agency if that review is not completed within the time period needed by the agency to properly and timely address the emergency at hand. Alternative language could have solved this problem. Governor Holcomb also said he vetoed the bill due to the questionable legality of an included mechanism that allowed state agencies to extend emergency rules beyond 90 days with the permission of an ill-defined legislative council. Holcomb wrote, While the legislative process can frustrate at times, it has often been stated that, to some extent, it was designed that way. Topics of such gravity, like those highlighted in this letter, always benefit from a full review and discussion. And while disagreements on public policy naturally occur, the final product is often improved through appropriate testimony provided by all interested parties. House Bill 1100 met its end when Senator Chip Perfect, chair of the Senate Committee on Commerce and Technology, refused to bring the bill to a vote during the committee's final hearing, saying he opposed the bill's one-size-fits-all approach. House Enrolled Act 1211 passed in its original form and was then amended with language from HB 1100 on the final day of the legislative session during conference committee, when representatives from both chambers of the General Assembly meet to reconcile differences in the approved legislation. The governor's veto was praised by environmental groups who have argued that the state of Indiana already has nearly a dozen checks and balances that restrict the approval of rules and regulations. But members of the Indiana legislature, many of whom are business owners who would stand to directly benefit from less regulation from state agencies, are not giving up on reducing state agencies' ability to craft regulations. The Indiana Senate and House of Representatives could still try to override the veto, and HB 1100's author, Representative Steve Bartels, and the bill's supporters have said they would attempt to reintroduce similar legislation next year. Legislators opposed to regulations may also have another avenue to advance their agenda. While the governor vetoed HEA 1211, he approved Senate Enrolled Act 264, a law that establishes a 10-member Administrative Rules Review Task Force to study administrative rule processes and how they compare to those in other states. The task force is supported by the Hoosier Environmental Council, which called it a more prudent, deliberative review than HB 1100 or HEA 1211. 
the task force could help to cut away the regulatory fat opposed by Bartels and others while preserving necessary regulations, or it could provide the ammunition to push forward more anti-regulatory efforts in the future. The task force will develop recommendations and submit a report to lawmakers by December 1st. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Guerra. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. The Daisy Days Native Plant Sale will be held at the Hinkelgarten Farmstead on Saturday, April 30th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and on Sunday, May 1st from 1 to 4 p.m. The sale specializes in native perennials. The Sassafras Audubon Society is hosting a bird feeder cleaning fundraiser on Saturday, April 30th at Bloomington Hardware in Bloomington from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Keeping your bird feeders clean is one way of preventing the spread of disease. The Flora Field Day at the Fairfax State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake will take place on Tuesday, May 3rd from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. This is your chance to work on your flora identification skills. The naturalist will teach you the proper use and application of an ID key, which opens the door to identifying thousands of species. Bring Newcomb's Wildflower Guide, Bug Spray, and Water. Sign up at bit.ly forward slash May 2022 Flora Field by May 1st. A wild tea time demonstration is scheduled for Saturday, May 7th from 10 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. at Brown County State Park. Learn what plants make suitable teas and any historical uses for those teas and take home some to try. It's Morel Mushroom Time, and Brown County State Park is having a Morel Mushroom Festival on Saturday, May 7th from 11 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. Join the naturalist to learn about how Morel Mushrooms grow, how to identify them, and where they are likely to be found. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Our environmental news brief reporter is Nathaniel Weinzeffel. Juliana Daly assembled the script and Linda Green, Don Guerra, and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show.
For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Guerra. And this is Ego Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source for South Central Indiana, bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.